Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Kristen. We'd like to welcome you to the writer's story. Uh, we just celebrated Thanksgiving, and so I don't know. Um, still feel full. <laughs> and here I am, hungry, Meredith. Hungry. Got you, hu and you, you said you didn't take any leftovers. That was just... <laughs> Such a uh, but we had a wonderful time and oh ate incredibly well yeah so, yeah and it was great yeah, to have a break I, I am hungry again yeah it was great to have a break from things and just um relax a little bit as much as you can relax when you're entertaining family but um, yeah in our case we were actually visiting family so we were the ones being entertained so to speak and it was very entertaining. Actually, we stay at our own digs, and I have this deadline coming up. And so I actually spent a little bit of time in the mornings working on this project that I want to finish for submission to a contest that's on Wednesday, which is just two, count them, two days away, actually oh. less than two now, yeah. <laughs> as it's Monday evening. And um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm cranking away. Yeah, yeah. I used to use um, contests when I was writing screenplays, um, usually one, one a year, and then write to it. And I think yeah. it, did, it did help keep me writing a screenplay every year. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's a great goal. I um, just happened to see the description of the screenplay a few months ago, the contest, excuse me, a few months ago, and it's uh, co-sponsored by the Natural Resources Defense Council with the Blacklist, which is a clearinghouse, as you know, of Hollywood stuff. But um, the Natural Resources Defense Council, I think, has especially um, become interested in, and I love this, in supporting and fostering uh, people writing stories about the environment in some capacity, in this case, climate change or, um, yeah, anyway. But, and they want, I, from what I understand, I think they're interested in an angle that um, imagines not just a dystopian future, but possibly good mm -hmm. stuff happening. Mm -hmm. And that is what I wanted this story to be about. Right, that sounds perfect for your story. So, so when I, yes, yeah, so when I saw that, I thought, Ah, I really want to try to meet this deadline, but it's hard. So, how do you do with deadlines? Are you a? Do you like them? Hate them? Yeah, I mean, I haven't given myself a really strong one. I tend to move. <laughs> I tend to keep moving the line, but I do try to shoot for something to finish. I think it's really important to finish things, um, even if you know they go into a drawer eventually that you don't put them in half finished, you know, that you actually feel really proud of um, what you've done and you've done every stage of it. And I think when you do every stage of it in every manuscript, you end up getting better at every stage. You know, so well, you... I want to take that to heart. That's really good, Meredith, because I'm, I'm the queen of getting 90% there and then tucking it in the drawer and yeah. starting on the next shiny thing. And can, you I think it can gnaw at you. I think it can gnaw at you if it's not done. Yes, yes it does gnaw at me. <laughs> and you just, you did just finish and send out the yes. new project. Yes, and, um, and I was trying a technique, and I, this was modeled to me by other writers of 
sort of making a general announcement to um, a local women's writing group that we're in that I had finished and that I was sending it out and that I wanted um, good vibes. So I'll ask anyone listening to also send good vibes my way. And I have to say, it was incredibly satisfying. I don't usually do things like that. I tend to feel like, oh, I kind of did this. And and if nothing really happens with it, I don't really want anyone to ask about it. But then I think I realized that it's so important to um, have community support. And boy, people are excited for you, Meredith. So, yeah. and I, I am among them. And we'll see. Yeah. And you never I know. Think you never know. And I think also it's just, you know, it's about modeling that behavior, as I said. And it made, and I, and I, when other people had done it on our listserv, I realized it made me really happy to know what people were doing. Yes. And so I feel like you have to, you have to put out there what you want back. And I would love to know if anyone in our group is doing something risk taking or, um, starting something or finishing something or trying something, um, you know, that, that they, that they tell the rest of us about it so we can, you know, celebrate. Well, it's great. It is a great model and, yeah. um, wait for the announcement on Mon- on Wednesday, yes. Thursday. Yes. You say I'm sending <laughs> it in. I midnight, sent I it think in. It is. <laughs> and, and in this case, um, our last two meetings of our, um, of our writing, uh, group, we read aloud and yes. Kristen you read part of your book <laughs> that has now become the screenplay and the last time we met I read part of the book that I just sent out and I think that gives everybody a sense of what you're doing and also uh, something to cheer for specifically because you know they liked what they heard yeah so, yeah so. and we got to hear a little bit from our guest this evening Yes. And I am so excited that she'll be joining us. Would you like to introduce her, Meredith? Yes, I would love to. Mary Alice Hostetter, um, we just, I just recently met her. She joined our group um, and she grew up the 10th of 12 children in a Mennonite farm family in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Um, she pursued a career in education and human services um, and with, she says, with a brief lapse into cheesemaking and restaurant management um, and studied writing whenever and wherever she could. Um, her memoir, Plain, a memoir of Mennonite girlhood, will be published um, by University of Wisconsin Press in December, which is next month, which is whatever, Friday. Which is next, next month week. is Friday, exactly, <laughs> this week. Um, and she previously edited and published the Measure of a Life Diaries of Mennonite Farm Wife of a Mennonite Farm Wife, 1920 to 2000, a compilation of entries from her mother's diaries. So um, I'm just really excited to talk to her and um, let's go call her up. Yes, do let's. Hi, Mary Alice, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Good to have you here, Mary Alice. Oh, I'm delighted. Thanks for joining us. That's so great. We were just saying that we were lucky enough to hear you read um, at our at our at our writing group that we've been sharing, and so and that's been so really it's been so wonderful because I feel like um, you really get to know someone through their voice. Yeah, that's the great thing about that that group. I I 
heard all those voices that evening and it was just beautiful. Yeah. I love, and I love how different, you know, everyone's projects are so different. Um, but then you'll just get a little taste and everyone's like, oh, wait, that's it. <laughs> yeah. And yours is so tantalizing. Congratulations thank on you, the book's release. Um, plain. So do you want to tell us a little about the title too? Yeah, the title um, was not my title, which I guess frequently happens. Uh, the, you know, I, I was sort of going with something more evocative, lyrical, whatever, whatever. And the editors uh, clearly wanted something more straightforward. So when they came up with plain, at first I thought, plain? That, you know, that plain. But it's really, it's really grown on me, not just because one word titles are kind of fun and punchy and yeah. seem to be doing well these days with wild and educated and things like that. Um, but it, it also fits. It's, uh, if you've read the book, you know it's about the Mennonites partly and uh, they're called the plain people. And my torment was being one of them <laughs> yeah. as an adolescent when one doesn't want to be one of the plain people or one of the different people or one of the people who stands out in the crowd. Uh, you know, you want to fit in. So uh, it, it works in that way. But it also, I, I think, in terms of my story and my writing style, that's also just kind of hopefully in a good way, plain in, as in straightforward, as in unembellished, that kind of plain. So I think it does work on a lot of levels. So I've, I've grown to like the one word title. And, uh, you know, even though it wasn't my suggestion, I'm very happy with it. I know we always hate to say that our publishers ever write Right. Yeah, I know. I know. But I'm so glad that you have warmed to it, Mary Alice. I love it, and for the reasons that you describe. I mean, it does seem to capture so many layers of your story, and uh, beside the fact that it is just as you noted, it's kind of punchy. There's one word, and you can get get a hold of it, and it and it is evocative with that one word. Anyway, yeah. So I'm really happy that you feel good about it. I, no, I, I've, I've really uh, grown to like it. So I'm, I'm glad whatever all those things were about fields and fences and pulling up roots and all that got there. Although they were lovely. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm that sure. Yeah. Your writing is lovely. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I think that um, there's this whole... Uh, I've seen people just agonize over their titles, and I just think, oh, well, you know what? They're probably going to change it. You know, yeah, you just do yeah, your best. That's what I know now. Do but... your best, and uh, and then the marketing department will step in and, uh, right, and change it again. And change it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. I had my uh, my second book. They didn't change my title. It was Dead in the Water, and. Um, but I, a reader did once tell me, she goes, well, so-and-so else has it also has a book called Dead in the Water. And I thought, you don't copyright titles. Yeah. 
I mean, you probably wouldn't want to call your next book Gone with the Wind or something, you know, because that's a pretty <laughs> famous book. But, you know, <laughs> is there ever been another book called Plane? Maybe? Well, when you said that, I, I, I'm sure there are other books with Plane in the title. I think there's a memoir, something about Plane and Fancy, which is, yeah. you know, yeah. part of uh, one of the uh, chapters in the book. But I don't know that there's one with just Plain. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of one. Plain's Belong is a beautiful book that I love. Ken Taroff, I think, wrote it. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I don't know any others by the title. I don't even want to Google it. Well, um, well, Mary Alice, (laughs) I've been reading your book, and I think one of the things that really struck me um, when I was reading it, not only were you born a writer, which comes from the pages really clearly, but that you were raised by a storyteller. And and the chapter, the, the early chapters talk so much about your mother telling you guys stories, telling all the kids, that are, the little kids that are still in there, stories. So if you wanna talk a little bit about your journey to becoming a writer. I, you know, I always, I think I include in the book that my earliest memory of an aspiration was when I grow up, I want to be a writer, even though I knew no writers. I knew a few books, but not that many books. I knew that my mother sat down every evening and wrote in her diary. So I, that was my concept of writing. And, and I, you know, back in the day when you would tear off calendar pages that they gave you at the hardware store, there wasn't a lot of uh, paper to play with. So I would, I would write on that and, and stitch up the, you know, the folded edge and call it my book. And, and I thought I was a writer. Um, because I was writing books, but I don't, you know, it wasn't in, in the culture I grew up in for, uh, anyone's career choice. It had to be something of service. Uh, that's part of the Mennonite culture. So, and for women, obviously that was to be a housewife, but if that wasn't possible, you could be a teacher or a nurse. So there were you know, there were choices. Um, and writers certainly did not, you know, that seemed something, how could that serve? You know, it, it just didn't, uh, didn't quite fit into the paradigm of a life of service. But yet, it was something I consistently aspired to kind of fit in however I could fit in with other, other career, uh, that I may have taken. When did you, I know you, you left the Mennonites and, and then later it sounded like you kind of just started studying writing sort of in between things. Can you talk a little bit about that journey? Yeah, uh, I mean, the, um, I took some classes for a while. There were evening classes at UVA. I don't even think they have that program anymore. No, I used to teach in it, so. The adult continuing ed, that one? Yeah, Yeah. it was wonderful. I had some wonderful teachers, Sydney Blair, 
God rest her soul, I couldn't believe she passed so early. And uh, Karen McElmurray, who's a beautiful writer. Um, so I studied with both of them. And then there was a Charlottesville Writing Center, which kind of predated uh, Writer House. Um, they used uh, the village school space. I took classes there. Um, and then, of course, Writer House, whenever I could, I could fit one of those classes into my working schedule. And then after I wasn't working full time, fit in whenever I could. So that, that sort of kept me writing because working full time plus it's hard to, uh, to do it, but somehow if you have to show up and it's your week to get workshop, you find time that you otherwise didn't find. And, uh, I would try to do at least uh, one conference in the summer, which would be an intensive writing experience. And uh, my coworkers knew that uh, they'd better plan their vacation time around. They called it writing camp. If she doesn't get her writing camp, she's going to be so upset. So (laughs) (laughs) vacations and everything would get, uh, you know, Oh, that's great. Land around writing, which was great that uh, they acknowledged that that was an important thing to me. And then, um, yeah, when I applied to BCCA and got accepted, I put that into my schedule and that was great too. So yeah, it was just wherever, however, but it, it was always important. And you worked on this book for a number of years. I know you worked, you went, um, you took Sharon's memoir class. Yes, I, um, you know, I, I forget what year her inaugural memoir in a year that turned into two years. And now I understand it's three years uh, <laughs> class. Um, but I, you know, I had all these little pieces, I'm sure both of you have done, uh, conferences or, or workshops where you get the little writing prompts and you end up with the little page and a half thing and then you come home and you transcribe it and put it in the folder and it's like well there's that and so I had a whole lot of those and a lot of them were childhood pieces and a lot of times instructors I worked with year after year would say have you ever thought of putting those together in a book, and I'd be like, no, <laughs> it's like, they're, they're all over the place. I mean, they're like, uh, my mother telling stories while she worked at the ironing board there. I didn't like to wash Sarah's feet. You know, they, they were so many different things. So when Writer House put out the uh, request for people who might be interested in the memoir, I, I did the writing sample and the application and I put, I, I have a whole lot of pieces that there, you know, I don't know if there's a container that could be built for all these pieces, but, um, yeah, that, that's, that's what I would work from. And of course, Sharon and her supportive Sharon way said, um, oh, of course, of course we can, we can work with these and turn them into something beautiful. So, um, so that, that's kind of how it happened quite, 
quite accidentally and over many years and it is sort of a memoir in essays i think um in that a lot of them have been published as not a lot a few of them have been published as standalone pieces and have been reworked to be part of the the book but yeah it sounds like the book is almost a biography of itself a sort of (laughs) biography of (laughs) writing that you have um yeah that you were generating so much in the course of your sort of uh journey as a writer yeah it's sort of you know the i mean i i really um fancied myself a, a, a fiction writer and that's what i focused I fancied myself a person who wouldn't use fancy as a verb too, but that's a whole separate thing. Um, <laughs> but what I'd come up with at all those little in-class prompts would be these these little unique memory pieces. And uh, so that's, that's what I thought, well, yeah, maybe, maybe I can work with them. So it was, it was fun and interesting to try to have them play together and, and see if they did want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about your, um, the journey of your New York Times modern love piece. Oh, yeah, that's, that, that was very curious. Um, it just came up as a, as an innocent question uh, from someone in the memoir group saying, did you ever come out to your parents who, who were by that time both um, passed? And I said, oh, that's interesting because I wrote a piece about that. And, uh, and they said, well, do you, do you have it? Do you have it? And I said, I'm sure I could find it somewhere. I just sort of wrote it because it was so, such a great little experience that I didn't want to forget it. So when I shared it with a group, I think it was Sharon who said, oh, you should, you should send that to New York Times Modern Love. It's like, really? You've got to be kidding. And, but I thought, yeah, everyone else gets rejected from Modern Love. So, yeah. It's your turn. I can deal with that. Uh, so I, I cleaned it up not to fit any formula as a modern love essay, which I understand is a thing that, you know, pieces have been written about how to write the perfect modern love essay um, and sent it and it got accepted. And then I thought, whoa, no, whoa, wait. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I'm closeted, but coming out in the New York Times is like, that's kind of intense. I, you know, I don't know that I really, but by that time, you know, it's like, oh, I've got to say no. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it didn't make any sense. So, so that, I mean, that piece was, was not an original part of what I intended as my memoir, but then after it came out, it really felt like it kind of needed to be. Mm-hmm. So 
I, I did, uh, I did include it because it just seemed not including it would be kind of, uh, you know, dishonest and hmm. Hmm. Cut, the, cut the story short too soon or something. So. Hmm. Interesting. I think story. about your um, talking about how writing in the community that you grew up in was not considered a really appropriate career choice if it was not of service. Now, of course, as writers, I think we all will agree that it is a great service. Oh, no, I know that now, but it wouldn't have <laughs> yeah, been. Yeah, but, but I mean, to grow up with this notion, yeah. but to know in your heart, I mean, from the time you were little and to that you you're a writer um i wonder i wonder if there's any analogy or if you've explored the kind of connection if there is one or analogy between that and coming out and being gay within this community um that is this is who i am and um and in living into that without I, i don't get the sense you don't seem to harbor like uh hard grudges against this community, um, but just a kind of recognition of that's how that um, they are uh, oriented and, or, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I've never uh, sort of considered the parallel between coming to terms with being a writer and coming to terms with being a lesbian, because really they seem kind of apples and orangey but (laughs) they are uh, perhaps similar in accepting the parts of yourself that are important and embracing them yes in that way i think you're probably um onto something that yeah one did inform the other at you know back and forth either way um and uh I think they came together in a really lovely way in kind of forcing it, not forcing it actually, but just acknowledging it um, with that piece of writing. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was um, such an interesting choice that you made to start your book um, present day, um, watching a Mennonite girl at the farmer's market in Charlottesville and sort of thinking like I was her and what is she thinking about and what, and sort of like thinking about a lot about what you felt like as, as a, as a girl in that community and what you didn't know. Yeah, that was, that was a, um, that, initial chapter, which I ended up calling a prologue, even at the risk of people not reading it, which I really hope they do, but some people read past prologues and maybe I used to, but I really read them carefully now. But uh, yeah, I I included it, then I didn't include it, then I included it. It it seemed, the book ending of that piece and the coming out to my father piece, somehow, although they're not really bookends, um, really, I thought 
brought it to a different level of, you know, the where I'm reflecting from that, that uh, kind of added a different level to the childhood things and the teenage things and the, the young adult piece. So yeah, I really, I, I kind of grew to like that piece. And some people who've read it have said, my favorite chapter is that prologue. It's like, oh, I'm glad I included that. <laughs> because it's, it is always true when I see those uh, young Mennonite girls at, at farmer's markets and, and, and think, they don't, they don't even know that I kind of know, but maybe I don't know them. Maybe they're totally content with being their Mennonite farm girls who are going to grow up to be like their mother and I'm the aberration here you know it's like but it, it's just that moment of um, thinking I need to save them and thinking wait they they may not they may not want to escape at all you know but I'm I mean, wondering how that happened that I so needed to but I think it's also this idea that you're like in not plain clothes, because obviously it's the opposite, <laughs> that you are walking among them without them understanding that you mm -hmm. once, you once. And maybe I didn't understand that. You know, it's, it's, it may go both ways that uh, they don't know who I am and maybe I don't know who they are either, even though there may be shared things in our paths. So. Mm -hmm. I, there mm -hmm. was, um, Definitely things that I realized I didn't know that much about the Mennonites, although we do have Mennonite communities in Virginia. They're not, you know, necessarily in the immediate counties and not the county. I grew up in the country in Louisiana. But um, that I guess I hadn't realized that they went to public schools, you know, with non-Mennonites. And maybe it depends on what community you're in. Yeah, and, and there certainly were private Mennonite schools in our community, um, but you have to pay tuition and, you know, uh, we didn't have all that much money. Um, so, I, yeah, it, it, we, we always went to, uh, to the public schools. I think my parents sort of had this philosophy, we have to pay taxes, you know, you're going. <laughs> But it, was, we, we <laughs> but it was yeah. fascinating because I think for me, it was this realization that, that in fact, they probably do know quite a lot about the rest of us, because if you go to public school, you have to learn. And then you have to also be with kids, just like you were saying, you were sort of longing to be the best friend of this girl. And she lived in yeah. a normal house and she, you know, and that kind of thing. And you didn't want to be. Yeah. You know, the way so you would you would know about tap dancing lessons and Girl Scouts and but you wouldn't you know, be allowed to participate, right? Yeah. Going to the swim club in the summer, but yeah, so that that sort of if you were with all of the people who and that sort of happened when I went to camp, which was sort of there. I was with it was a Mennonite camp, so I was with all of the people who were like me. So I wasn't a misfit there. You know, I could, I could fit in because uh, they, they also were uh, part of the same group.
but then I guess there's a there's sort of a switch at some point for you where you become more of the misfit in your own community. Well, at least in my own mind, in my own community. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I went through, during my teen years, I went through the right motions. You know, I, I, uh, I dressed the way, I mean, I pushed it as far as I could push it, but <laughs> uh, I, uh, on the surface, was certainly fairly compliant, still trying to be the good girl that, sat on the bench while my mother, you know, fried donuts because she said, sit on the bench. So, you know, I, I kind of didn't lose that until I left home and was on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you've always balanced or you've always had writing work, writing work and work being other than writing at the same time from again, even from the time that you were a, a child helping out on the farm, doing your writing. Um, how is that for you now? Do you continue to, you know, how is that for you now? Oh, now that I am not working um, full time, I, writing is my work. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a wonderful switch. I mean, everything else is sort of around that. Um, so that's, sort of why I retired as early as I could retire. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I got more serious about uh, submitting for publication, which is a whole different, different uh, job than writing. You know, Mm -hmm. I had always written, but I I didn't have time for that whole publication. Business part, yeah. (laughs) Whatever, whatever that is. I I just sort of put that on hold and uh, then after I had the time, I thought, okay, I should start trying to submit and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So are you already um, working on a new project? Well, I, I did, I, I am working on a new project, which is a novel, and I am thinking I will try to spend more time trying to get a linked collection of short stories um published uh i i finished that a few years ago um working with an editor um through a queen's university program called one something something i can't even remember what catchy little title but it was like working with a new york editor well they're not all new york editors mine was um to polish uh, you know, a project, and mine was a linked uh, collection of short stories after Olive Kittredge. I got like obsessed about linked uh, short stories because I just loved yeah. that so much. Um, so I finished that, and and she helped me polish it, which which was good. And uh, I think I sent it to a few contests, and and it didn't go anywhere. But I thought, yeah, maybe now with more confidence and mm-hmm. you know, a little more credibility, maybe I could find uh, someone. Because I, I really, I, I so like the cast of characters, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, I just don't want to 
bury them away when I <laughs> like them so much. Yeah. They're <laughs> still alive. Don't right. bury them alive. <laughs> seem right. So. Well, um, we're so excited. You've got some events coming up for Plain. Yes, it's uh, it's very exciting. And I went by uh, New Dominion today, and right there it was on the front table with excellent wedged between Barbara Kingsolver and Michelle Obama and Elizabeth <laughs> Strout. So did you take you a picture? Company. <laughs> I, I moved them around. It was right there. Oh, but did you take a picture? <laughs> I did take a picture. <laughs> Good. I cannot tell a lot. Oh, of course. Of course. And um, I know that we've got some fun events, so you're going to be at New Dominion, but you're also doing some traveling. Is that correct? I, yeah, I'm trying to find, my publicist is working on finding an independent bookstore in Lancaster County, uh, Pennsylvania, which is where I grew up, um, that might be open to doing a reading. I don't have a lot of families still there, but uh, some family, um, and it just would feel kind of right to, to do one there if, uh, if we can, there's a, there are a couple possibilities that I think oh, could great. work out. And I just heard today that uh, I've been accepted to the book festival in March. So that was really Oh, fun. congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Yay, so, yay. I saw a few things. I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm not planning to do, you know, hundreds of independent bookstores all over the country, but uh, hopefully be able to find a few venues to share my story. Yeah, I think um, I think you'll find that the, it will grow also from there. And um, and if you do too many bookstores, then you don't have time to write your next book, which is right. Weird. Well, I'm try, I I've taken that advice, and I remember your advice uh, early on when I asked what wisdom people who had published would share, and you said, "Don't do it if it's not fun." I think you said, Meredith, and uh, I thought that was very sage advice because. You know, why? Right, right. <laughs> That's I exactly I... the opposite of what my agent for my first book said. She said, say yes to everything. Oh, and God, how to I go crazy. Meredith on my other show. Yeah, I'm going, just go if it has fun. Boy, the, other thing, the other advice, I'm not sure if I gave you or if I gave someone else, is if you can tour with another writer. Oh, yeah. Some, someone did do that. And, and I think that that goes in with the fun part, too. Yes, for sure. It's so much more fun to do something totally with another writer, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I, I toured with um, a bunch of other mystery authors through North Carolina, and some of them had toured before many times, and one said, I could finish all of her sentences. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, well, you probably, if it's all mystery writers, you could probably feed off each other and everybody could come up with their next uh, project. That's so. right. That's well, right. If you all that, end up alive. Exactly. And isn't that a premise unto itself? <laughs> exactly. Uh, mystery yes, writers absolutely. go on tour together. And oh, yeah. I've never written that short story, but killed. possibly I should. And you choose who you will kill. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's always Mary Alice, it's been so fun having you and and talking about plane and we can't wait for all the parties and the readings and everything else um, that we're having here in Charlottesville. (laughs) 
Well, it's been great chatting with both of you. Thank you. Thank you for this, uh, this opportunity. It's oh, been it's just thank been you. delightful. That was fantastic. Yes. I loved her energy and spirit about all of these projects. Just, just, I think, you know, she's, she's going to have a wonderful time on her tour. I think. Yes, yes. And boy, does it ever um, whet my appetite for reading more of Plain. Um, and I am so curious about her mother now, too, and her storytelling and that other um, other collection she has. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, her mother is a huge character in the book. And I think, um, you know, it's obviously a very patriarchal society. Um, but I think sometimes in, in, um, in a society like that, some of the women are so strong, they sort of barrel through and her mother's voice is just very strong. And she's obviously a huge influence on her, on all her children. Um, so I, it's a, it's, she's a wonderful writer and I think, um, I think everyone will enjoy reading plain it's i love reading memoirs about people who grow up really differently yes and then find a lot of and then but you'll also find similarities yes yes you know yeah well it was fun to visit with her and hear both the writing journey and how that blends with her personal right and with a memoir which is you know sort of how yep. a writer becomes a writer and how she became who she is so yeah such an enjoyable story well it was so lovely to spend time with you Kristen and always um, Meredith and you know here we go torturing ourselves with deadlines yes (laughs) everything else who was it oh here's this great quote who was it that said I love deadlines the whooshing sound they make as they go by (laughs) (laughs) and then the whooshing sound of the email when you send your screenplay to the... <laughs> yeah yeah no i love that the whooshing sound um, they make as they go by but like, whoops missed another one. <laughs> oh my gosh oh, all right well, i'm gonna try to nail this one down grab it and pin it to the desk and hopefully we'll have lots of good things to share next time yes yes i'm eager to hear about the auction that your book will soon be <laughs> we'll see. we will see but i think it's just it's wonderful to celebrate finishing a project and yes. um and feeling good about where you are and you know and of course we have a million new ideas for the next thing that we have to <laughs> yeah the mystery writers on tour that's right that's right short story coming soon (laughs) all right well great to see you meredith good to chat and um thanks to mary alice and uh so exciting plane can't wait to read we'll talk uh, soon yes we will take care bye